Guess what, kids? It's a Wednesday. That means only one thing. It's Supernatural News and Parish Air right here on Darkness Radio. Hi, I'm your host, Tim Dennis. I've got some surprises for you, kids. We're calling this the Fast and the Furious Boner Edition. I'll explain what that means in a second. But first, we need to bring in a co-host. We're bringing in the co-host with the most, the BCB, the Big Cuddly Bear, Beer City Bruiser. How you doing, Bruiser? I'm doing good. Now, by the Boner Edition, do you mean we're doing some family ties? Oh, I didn't think of it that way. What, what do you mean by that? Well, didn't he have a friend in Family Ties named Boner? He did. You know, I didn't think How of did a... that get away? I, yeah, you know, that, I, you know? Yeah. I, and mm, How did it get past the censors? That's what exactly. I want. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Like, because that was a time period when censors were going crazy, because that's when the, the Comics Commission was created. Yeah. That's mm. when parental advisory stickers started appearing on oh, yeah. CDs and yeah. stuff. Yeah, here we are. Tipper Gore had a field day back then. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. have Kirk Cameron, one of the most religious men in the world, yeah. who has a best friend on a TV show named Boner. Yeah. And never got <laughs> caught. Hmm. No, we, we aren't referring to Kirk Cameron's best friend. Oh, okay. No. Okay. No, no boner. Oh, no, actually, that would have been Michael J. Fox, not Kirk Cameron. People are going to be emailing like crazy now. That's right. It was Growing Pains had boner, right? That was Kirk Cameron. Was it Growing Pains? Yeah. I know it was Kirk Cameron who had boner. Okay, okay. Because so I, was, was... I always thought that was funny that Kirk Cameron's yeah. best friend was boner. Okay, yeah. No, that wouldn't have been family ties. That would have been Growing Pains. There we go. There we go. Get it? Growing Pains? Boner? Hmm. Oh. Yeah. Now we're seeing the ties, so to speak. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, we got raunchy real quick. Boner, yeah. ties, growing pains. Look yeah. at us. Huh? Now, Boner has to do with the, the content of the program today, and it has to do with the very last story in today's uh, show. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, all, it all ties together. You'll see how this thing works out. Oh, there's I a lot can't of, wait. There's a lot of archaeology in today's show. Really? Yeah, there, there's a few. And guess what, Bruiser? What? There's no nightmare fuel today. Really? AI took a day off, huh? I guess it's being quiet for, you know what it is, is, you know, I, I don't like to boast about my birthday and the fact that my birthday is coming up, but I'm boasting, I guess, because Saturday is my birthday. So maybe AI decided to take a week off. Maybe. Maybe it's like, you know what, we're done being racist, trying to kill the human race. It's Cruz's birthday. Let's just celebrate in peace. <laughs> no. <laughs> They're not that caring and feeling. You know, what our listeners should do is is have Chat GPT write you a birthday card. <gasps> yes, that's your challenge for this week, folks. <laughs> when we come back next Wednesday, get your best Chat GPT birthday cards for me. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That yeah. will be fun to read. <laughs> Com- complete with really bad graphics, maybe of AI or, or robots killing me. Exactly. Yeah. Of course. The best way they can they can decimate me. <laughs> that, rip you limb from limb that's right that's your best challenge for this week so uh a creative chat gpt birthday card for me and the best way that they could kill me in a graphic i i, I see my if i was creating a graphic it would be you in a motorized scooter but the motorized scooter is just running you off a cliff oh very good that's because it's, great it's controlled by the ai and yeah. you're trying to use the button you're trying to use the lever going no no this way yeah yeah and the chair's like no cruiser we go over the hill. <laughs> well, see, guys, Bruiser's giving you a great start on this. It's just my birthday gift to you, man. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I only have one birthday wishes here, and I don't even know if I say it out loud. I wouldn't, then it doesn't come true. That's right. Okay, so I won't say it. 
<sighs> Maybe next year, Pam Anderson. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Is she old enough to be bangable by anybody yet? Yes. Okay. Watch the documentary. There's a documentary on Netflix. This is really well done, and and she's going through a divorce right now. So, so it's achievable. But she's damaged, man. Like, (laughs) like I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) She's also Canadian. Hey, I have I have nothing against Canadians. Like I've told you before, relative and relative founded. Quebec, huh? That's true. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And uh, the old the old E was in Quebec this this uh, past week. So yeah, I saw that with uh, Sammy and yeah. Kevin, right? Yeah. yeah, I was miming my French back to him. <laughs> I was like, "Je m'appelle Timmy." Uh, that's all I could do. Yeah. But you know, uh, viva la Quebec. <sighs> Everybody's gonna say you're a traitor. <laughs> tell me that now. But you know, every once in a while, the family pride comes up. Anywho, speaking of family pride, before yeah. we get started, yeah, can we get some? Oh uh, yes, 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 yes. Please. If the listeners could please send some positive prayer, healing prayers, healing messages to Papa Bruiser. Uh, I spoke with him today. He's, he's having an off day today. He's not oh, no. feeling too well today. But oh, uh, no. we got we got uh, some Red Dead Redemption two scheduled for later on today after I get my car serviced. So I'll hopefully bring him in spirits. But he is having a health scare right now and could really use all the prayers and healing energy everyone can give for him. So We'll put up a prayer and healing request on our social media as well, folks. So um, please, 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 uh, anything you can do, um, get that, that positive energy out there. Uh, say, say those prayers for Papa Bruiser. Uh, he's in Arizona. So if you yep. can, uh, if you can please uh, pour it on for him and uh, the, those positive thoughts as well. Uh, if you're of the atheist ilk, um, just please uh, send that energy out to Papa Bruiser. We need whatever we can to uh, to keep him going. So uh, please, 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 whatever you can do. Yeah, he had a he had a rough night last night. So oh, that's that's yeah. That's but like I said, we. Uh, I told him I had to record with you today. I had to take my car in because I had some car troubles yesterday. And right after that, I'm jumping on with some Red Dead with him so he can forget about the world and we can just roam the Wild West online. And tell people <laughs> where you're hiding. That's great. Exactly. That's we will great. be the most criminals known to man because he will <laughs> tell the police where we are. You're like the Apple Dumpling Gang. That's, uh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> that is a oh I haven't seen I have to show my kids that I haven't seen that movie in years that was one of my favorites as a kid there you go yeah there you go something for uh, the holidays I guess exactly yeah. yes I have to tell him that you brought that reference off because he's the one that showed it to me there you go the apple dumpling game that's what I think we're going to call our posse today because you can rename your posse for a day we're going to call ourselves the apple dumpling game there you go there you go that'll, that'll put a smile on his the old man's face <laughs> there you go <laughs> well tell him I tip my cap to him and and uh, hopefully it'll do better this uh, today <laughs> I will I will <laughs> maybe the apple dumpling gang will bring you luck <laughs> maybe maybe it'll teach him what a mute button is <laughs> <laughs> you never know you never know uh, today's show, Bruiser, is an interesting one at that. Of course, we've got our UFO stories, but we're going to go a little off the beaten path. Uh, we, I think you, did you see this Russia launch, by the way? Yes, okay, I did. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, that qualifies as a boner. 
<laughs> um, yes, it does. It does. Uh, we're also, we had one listener that sent us an interesting story. I think he's a cat lover because he wants us to focus on puppies chewing off toes. We're, so we'll bring that up today. I know it's not supernatural, but it's it's part of an ongoing argument, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Bones, bones, everywhere there's bones. We'll talk about ancient bones in the second half of the program. Uh, we'll talk about bones that could prove that there's an unknown human species out there. We'll talk about the bones of the Templar and the fact that there's unknown graves out there that have been found. Okay. Okay. And uh, we'll talk about uh, bones that might have caused a haunting. So there's bones, bones, everywhere there's bones in the boner segment of the second half of the program. So there's now, hauntings. You, know, you have Templar blood, don't you? Yes, I do. You're, you're related. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yes, I do. So I threw that in there just for me. That's, that's my, that's <laughs> my birthday vanity. week. You get it. <laughs> and then finally, the final story today has a little bit to do about boning. So, you know, that's how we end up the boner edition of the Fast and Furious Boner edition of uh, Supernatural News today. Sounds good to me. There you go. That's how we're going to do it. But first, uh, let us jump right into the first story today, which has to do with UFOs, of course. Of course, we're going to start with UFOs. Uh, Ryan Graves shares an airline pilot's UFO testimony on Twitter, or X. God, I hate looking at that X. I really It's do. so stupid. Bring back the bird. Exactly. Yeah. The bird was at least original. And, you know, you can tweet things out, not quote things or post things. It's like, come yeah, on. It's awkward. It's, it's yeah. very awkward. Uh, the former Navy pilot and UFO witness has started to publish the testimonies of other pilots who have had UFO encounters. Graves, who is certainly no stranger to UFOs, having witnessed a mysterious object with no visible means of propulsion around 10 years ago during his time with the U.S. Navy, has now started to publish the testimonies of other anonymous pilot witnesses on his Twitter account. We're calling it Twitter! Um, <laughs> The latest, which happened during a flight from Santa Domingo or Santo Domingo to New York. Santa, of course, has been to Domingo. He delivers all the Christmas presents on, on Christmas Eve, but we'll call it Santo Domingo uh, to New York back in July. Even includes photographs of the object that was encountered at the time. At approximately one hour into the flight as we were approaching the southern boundary of the New York Oceanic Airspace at, at about 32,000 feet, I called out a visual on traffic that was excessively bright and looked like about 80 miles range and then disappeared visually the pilot wrote i never saw the traffic at tcas then a few minutes later i saw two objects round in shape one lighted and one not flying in a formation just above the horizon at a range i guessed of about 120 to 200 nm the objects would illuminate to be as bright as a star for several seconds, then go dark for a few minutes, only to illuminate again. This went on for the remaining two to two and a half hours of my flight to New York on L-453 in oceanic airspace. The light seemed to be on or just above the horizon until we got closer to our destination of New York, just prior to being or rather, just prior to beginning our descent, the objects appeared much higher in the sky, about 80 to 90 degrees above the horizon and much further away, actually out of the atmosphere, which is interesting. And then there's some pictures attached, which you can't see because it's audio. Huh. Um, but I'll show you here, Bruiser. Here's, uh, here's pictures of the object right here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're minute in scale. Yeah, they're not really big. 
but you there you can tell they're not supposed to be there. Right. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll post the link in the description of this podcast so you can actually take a look at the video and pictures for yourself so you can see what it is exactly we're seeing. So I'm glad airline pilots and Navy pilots are starting to come up with their experiences because they fly more than anybody. Yes. So they're going to see anomalies in the sky. Yeah. And now, granted, we can't call them all UFOs, but they've seen their fair share of, hey, what was that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, here's our first boner of the day. <laughs> You want to call it that? Uh, Russia's first lunar mission in decades crashed into the moon. Yep, they kind of had their calculations off. Oops. Yeah, oops, they did it again. Uh, they tried one other time, in case you didn't know. Russia's first lunar mission in decades has ended in failure with its Luna 25 spacecraft crashing into the moon's surface. You might want to hey, put... Hey, who put that moon there? <laughs> <laughs> hey, that wasn't supposed to happen. This one is a mid of cheese. Uh, it's a little bit of a Russian-Italian accent I have. Uh, the incident, a blow to Russia's space ambitions, happened after communications with the robotic spacecraft were interrupted. That, that's not really? a good thing. Yeah, yeah. No, that's not. No. Uh, Russia's space agency, Ros Roscosmos... Uh, said it lost touch with Luna 25 on Saturday around 2.57 p.m. Moscow time. The measures taken on August 19th and 20th to search for the device and get into contact with it did not yield any results, the space agency reported. According to a preliminary analysis, Luna 25 switched to an off-design orbit before the collision, according to Roscosmos. It was not immediately clear what caused that crash, Especially, Form Commission will investigate the reasons for the loss of Luna 25. The news comes a day after the spacecraft reported an emergency situation as it was trying to enter a pre-landing orbit. During the operation, an emergency situation occurred on board the automatic station, which did not allow the maneuver to be performed with the specific parameters Roscosmos shared in a telegram post on Saturday. The spacecraft was meant to complete Russia's first lunar landing mission in 47 years. Wow. Yeah. I can't believe it's been that long. It has. The country's last lunar lander, Luna 24, landed on the surface of the moon on August 18th of 1976. Wow. Think about that so, for a second. So we kicked the crap out of them in the space race. Kind of, sort of. You know, I, it's been a while since... Russia or even the old Soviet Union has had the spendable income to be able to do something like this. But they were real influential in the Mir space station, weren't they? Didn't they have, don't they have a cosmonaut up there? Like for years they've had a cosmonaut up there? They've kicked in on the International Space Station and yes, yes. on the Mir. Yeah, they, they've, they've gone in on certain projects, but they haven't had a fully fundable space program. Uh, because well, they focused on defense. Well, and this explains why they can't land on the moon safely. <laughs> <laughs> See, they keep think, using those Russian numbers. They got to switch to the English numbers. They'll be fine. Well, it's the combination of that and, and much like, in the, and I'm not throwing political stuff out there, but much like with defense, they're just a, a tiny step behind also in the space race. Yeah. And they kind of proved it with this lunar launch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Luna 25 probe launched from the Vatoshny Cosmodrome in Russia's Amur Oblast on August 10th, setting the vehicle on a swift trip to the moon. 
Luna 25 trajectory allowed it to surpass India's, I believe it is the Chandrayaan 3 lunar lander, which launched in mid-July on the way to the lunar surface. Uh, Also called the Luna Glob Lander, Luna 25 was on a journey to study the composition of the moon's soil and the very thin lunar exosphere, or the moon's scant atmosphere, for one year. The mission's trajectory allowed it to surpass India's Chandrayaan a Chandrayaan, yep, three lunar lander, which launched in mid-July. Both spacecraft were headed for the moon's South Pole region. And there's a lot of interest in that area, too. Yeah, that's that's been the focus of not just Russia, but almost all space programs. Right. I, wa- I wonder why. There's got to well, be a reason. It says much of the interest in that area comes down to the fact that it remains one of the least explored regions of the moon the geographical area is also where scientists believe water is stored on the lunar surface in the form of ice frozen solid and shadowy craters shielded from the sun you know more countries are are wanting to terraform the moon for some reason and a lot of scientists say well that's nice and all but you got to deal with a lot of radiation up there yeah and there's no atmosphere no there's no atmosphere there's a lot of radiation I know we read a story a few months ago about the fact that was it China or was it Russia wanted to make bricks out of the soil in the moon? China did. They wanted to make the bricks. Yeah. And and they wanted they wanted to start building basically units, housing units out of these bricks. Yeah, which makes to me no sense. I mean it it but Right, because if you get some of that soil and you bring it, let's say you bring it back to Earth, it's still radioactive. Right. Because it's it's been hit with the sun's particles for so long. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they know something we don't. There's a lot of governments right now trying to flee this planet in a hurry. Yeah. Yeah, it worries me. Yeah. I don't know. Especially with the way that the climate's been, over the last couple years, climate's been changing so much. I mean, we've talked about there's been a hurricane in California along with an earthquake. There's a friend of ours, a listener of ours in Sweden who said Sweden got hit real hard. Mm -hmm. There's wildfires everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and let's just go back ten years. None of this was happening. No, and you could say, yeah, it's uh, uh, global warming and all that, but I think there's more to it too. Yeah, there's a lot more to it than just that. There, there's yeah. something weird going on. There is. Yeah, and we had one listener in the chat that said something about harp. I mean, if you want to go to that extreme, maybe. I mean, you can't rule anything out, but I do want to mention in our chat room and kind of give kudos to our chat room. Everybody is talking amongst each other and everybody's making sure everybody's okay. And and I'm really, really encouraged by that. I am, you know. I am too. It's, yeah. it's, it's showing that we all have an interest in something that brings us together, but yeah. we're all also human and care about one another. Right, right. And I, I really, uh, kudos to them that they're, they're checking in on each other, making sure everyone's okay and talking to one another. And, and I, you know, I just want to tip my cap to them. And, and if you, I like that it's a discussion too. There's no arguments. Yeah. There's different opinions on things, but no one's arguing. Right. It's all right. just a random, you know, it's a discussion and it's like you said, like, especially now we're all checking in on each other, making sure everybody's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, is encouraging. So uh, kudos to the chat room uh, at uh, darkness radio, Facebook. Uh, I really do appreciate that. Everyone in there has, uh, has been exchanging ideas and doing it civilly. So, and even though you and I don't respond to everything, we still read everything. Oh yes, yeah. You know, we just yeah. we want that to be for them, and we'll chime in when we yeah absolutely. feel we need to. Absolutely. You know. Yep. Yep. 
Yep, absolutely. Uh, there's a story out there about the presidential candidate who's running on a UFO ticket. Gabriel. Oh, really? Yeah, Gabriel Green claims he was in close contact with aliens who had lots of ideas about domestic policy. That's right, folks. We are going to talk <laughs> politics for a quick second because Gabriel Green is out there. And by gosh, he's running. Uh, a former photographer for the Los Angeles Board of Education, the 35-year-old Green, who is already president of the Amalgamated Flying Saucers Club of America. <laughs> That's right. He's, he's president of something. He's going to tell us what Blurp said to him. That's right. The devoted ufologist hails from Whittier, California, claimed to have seen roughly 75 unidentified flying objects, a number that would later grow to 100 carrying aliens who have been interfering with humans all along. He announced his candidacy at the Biltmore Hotel in August of 1960. Okay, so it's not current, uh, which he explained was at the prodding of his alien cohorts. The beings, Green said, were from the alien, or I'm sorry, from the Alpha Centauri system and were human in appearance, albeit a towering seven to nine feet tall. Oh, they're huge. Yeah. Uh, they were also thankfully benevolent aliens, considering they possessed what Green described as the ability to completely conquer Earth in a matter of hours. They could completely take over this planet between breakfast and lunch any day of the year, he said. Well, I'm glad they could do it in the morning because I'm not an early riser. So yeah, I try. I, I am yeah. now with the puppies and stuff, but yeah, it's, I'd rather. I'd rather if if it's the end of the world, I'd just rather go to sleep the night before. And then, oh, okay, well, world's yeah. over. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but he also went on to say, but that would be a violation of the principles. Oh, they're late risers, too. So, OK, yeah, yeah, OK. Yeah, that's what I get out of it. Well, all that space travel. It, it takes it out of you. It really it does. does. Yeah. Instead, the aliens were purportedly content with acting as advisors for Green in his White House bid. So humans would better understand their policies of peace and economics. Policies is what Green said. Uh, that had helped them achieve utopia on Mars, Saturn, and Venus. I didn't know they had government so, on Mars where there's nothing there. I didn't know that either. Like, they have elections and everything like we do? I guess. Like, it's good to know that the, the aliens are democratic. Or uh, what is that? Uh, not democratic. Um, what's their government? That they have a republic? Yes, that they had, the the people can speak and vote and all that. Oh yeah, well, yeah. A democracy, a democracy, a, democracy. a democratic yes. republic. I think is there it is. Important. Yeah, uh, the aliens, he added, had tried to educate world leaders before, but their wisdom was ignored. Well, if the big scary aliens trying to tell me how to run my government, I probably am going to ignore them too and just keep going. Well, and humans are forever two year olds. They tell us to do something, we're just not going to do it. Yeah, that's true. We're a little uh, egocentric, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Like how many times you've been told, don't push that red button. What are you going to do? I'll push it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It was now up to Green to enact the change that the planet needed. A spaceman, this is his quote, a spaceman from Alpha Centauri came to my Los Angeles apartment a few months ago and talked to me, or rather talked me into throwing my hat in the ring, Green said. He didn't have my name. Everybody knows spacemen don't have names. <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, we exchanged. I hate to tell this guy that was just his DoorDash DoorDash driver who happened to be a high school senior basketball player, For, well, trying to make a little extra income. DoorDash guy from the future because this is 1960. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we exchanged telepathic opinions. I don't. I can't tell you how many times I've done that. 
Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've formed a telepathic opinion, stared at somebody, and they had no idea what I was thinking about them. <laughs> well, that's true. They weren't open like we are. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, we exchanged telepathic opinions, and then he spoke in English with an American accent. Well, how convenient. Oh, so they can they can speak our language. Okay. I guess. Green made it clear he had not actually been inside any advanced aircraft himself, only that he had met these beings and seen their mode of transport in action. His campaign manager, however, had been taken along as a passenger, where he observed a crew of six, four men, two women. That sucks that there's that ratio there. I would... I would. It, you'd think with six, it'd be three and three. Yeah. You know. So this is just showing right there, the aliens are not... They're not as advanced as we are. Yeah. They don't believe the women have equal rights as men. That's right. I don't know that I want this candidate. Yeah. <laughs> These policies are, this is going to set us back 10 years. That's right. Uh, why not just have an alien appear with him? Well, Green dismissed the idea. He said if he said he was from outer space, nobody would believe him. Oh, <laughs> That's true. Very good. Yes, yes. Uh, not that the aliens were necessarily above interspecies mingling. Hey, now. Oh, they're getting the freak on. Getting the freak on. One, he later said, drove a Lincoln Continental, pimp, uh, <laughs> with a view screen on the dashboard. Ah, silky season. He's a now. pimp. Yeah. Someone's big pimping. He had a diamond in the back, sunroof open. <laughs> Smacking his hose. Yep. Uh, another posed as a Beverly Hills domestic with a planet-to-planet -planet commute of 30 minutes. Wait, what? Yeah, that's what it says here. I, I, I don't question. <laughs> uh, Green would later claim that President Kennedy had been visited by an alien named Renton. Oh, that sounds up. I thought they didn't have names. He just said earlier that they don't have names. Spacemen don't have names. This guy, I guess, had to have one in order to see the president. Oh, to make the appointment. Yeah. Because yeah. you can't just put alien dude down in the book. Yeah, you can't. No, you, you got to. Uh, and uh, who will be seeing the president today? And he's like, renting. <laughs> <laughs> renting what? I've been renting my spaceship. I can't afford to buy it. You know what I'm saying, dude? Because <laughs> um, he's a pimp that drives a Lincoln yeah, Continental. <laughs> yeah, he's a pimp that's got a Lincoln Continental with a screen on the, you know, little touch screen. They didn't understand touch screens back in 1960, you know? No, they didn't. No. You want to listen to Serious Exam? <laughs> no, what's that? Watch us drop these fat beats, yo. Yeah, I can make my car bounce. <laughs> uh, who had uh, Renton, who had presumably made pleas for the president to implement alien strategies following Green's defeat and even offered guidance on the Cuban Missile Crisis? Oh. Uh, maybe the... Oh, hold on. Hold on. Light bulb moment. Okay. Aliens killed Kennedy. There it is. Mic drop. Wow, really? They wouldn't go with his policies. They wouldn't go and they wouldn't they wouldn't listen to him. Renton's like, you know what? Listen here, Jack. <laughs> you follow our policies or something bad's gonna happen. There's it's, your second shooter. I can bend bullets, dude. You better follow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it was. Yeah, alien assassin. So you're saying Lee Harvey Oswald was an alien? No, I'm saying, because everyone's always like, oh, there was a second shooter. The second shooter was an alien. That's why we couldn't see him. <laughs> he was in the grassy knoll? He was in the grassy knoll because he blended in. <laughs> Pew! <laughs> <laughs> huh. Okay. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> uh, so, Renton offered some guidance on the 
Cuban Missile Crisis. It's not clear the president heeded his wisdom, whatever it might have been. Dude, I'm just saying hogpile, right? <laughs> just get in there and go, dude. Here, here, man, I'll lend you some of my hose. Let them go to Castro. Get him all messed up. You go in, pow! Crisis over. It's your country, dude. Just rule it. Green's earnestness is hard to gauge. On one hand, his candidacy was announced the week of a major Los Angeles flying saucer convention and seemed an effective promotional tool for the gathering. On the other hand, his alien advocacy didn't stop with the 1960 campaign. In 1962, Green reappeared, this time running for U.S. Senate and vowing to address nuclear war and communism. Uh, he did not appear to invoke his cabal of alien advisors, though he did earn about 171,000 votes. Good round. He had a good uh, groundswell, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, but UFOs did come up when Green made a second presidential bid in 1972. I would have thought that would have been the year that he could have won. Yeah, exactly. What'd you have, Nixon Goldwater? Yeah. That deal? Yeah. This time on the Universal Party ticket. God, he didn't pick the right party. No, he did not. <laughs> our party is, this is the quote here, our party is attempting to offer the people of the United States an opportunity an, an opportunity to become aware of the national and international problems with the aid of contacts with extraterrestrial beings. He said, if it's true that other worlds are more advanced than we, I think we can learn from them. I want to encourage people from other worlds to come forth and make themselves known. Green did not secure office, likely because he was only a one-state ballot in Iowa. So he only got on the ballot in Iowa. That's it. Oh, see, that was his mistake. Yeah. Well, that's all he qualified for. Instead, yeah. Richard Nixon was reelected. In hindsight, maybe the aliens should have been given more of a chance. Uh, so maybe the aliens caused Watergate. Oh, God, no. They didn't elect our guy. What do we do? Let's frame the president. <laughs> <laughs> we killed one. <laughs> hey, is that file cabinet open? <laughs> Check it, will you? <laughs> Quick, put documents in there. It'll be great. <laughs> I'll send some of my hose in. My hose. <laughs> hey, we got to hurry. My Lincoln Continental is double parked. <laughs> I have earth, wind, and fire tickets. Let's go. <laughs> Earth, wind, and fire. Hey, I love Earth, wind, and fire. I do too. That's yeah, why. Why yeah. aliens would be that? Yeah. <laughs> we gotta hurry. September is playing. Mm -hmm. Let's move on, shall we? Yeah, question, yes, please. Before we get ourselves in trouble. Yeah. The question is, what was that? Many see a white object flying over the Oklahoma City metro. Rumor has it it was one of the horn players from Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> <laughs> They're white. I, I wait. Uh, there you go. There, there's. That. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they were touring, so. Dude, that horn player was horrible. Let's drop him <laughs> off over Oklahoma City. <laughs> no one's paying attention to that city. <laughs> oh no. I have a feeling we we decimated Kentucky enough yesterday. And yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> oh yeah, we did. Oh, which reminds me, did you see the uh, on Netflix? They're coming out with that wrestlers series. 
No. And, and it's based on OVW, Al Snow's OVW. But okay. right away in the beginning, there's like, there is a wrestling center in Louisville, Kentucky. And no! I'm like, yes, it's going to lose his mind. Louisville, Louisville, Louisville. It's on Netflix, brother. <laughs> Don't tell me I have to go to Netflix now and teach them how to say it. You do. At least whoever made the, the teaser piece for the the Al Snow show. Couldn't get the crap out of his mouth, huh? (laughs) (sighs) Gonna have to send him the clip again. There's a clip on YouTube on how to correctly say the name of the city. Okay. Louisville! Louisville! Anyways, Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City. (laughs) KOCO5 meteorologist Taylor Cox explains what what... (laughs) Yes. Her name is Taylor Cox. Taylor the Cox, maybe you just want to dress it up a little. Just saying. He's just uh, going to draw Cox all over the green screen. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. I know. Um, I was trying to gloss over That it. happened again this morning, by the way. Good old Larry Sprinkle here. Yeah. North Carolina was Larry showing us how Sprinkle. Hurricane Hillary circles down here, and then it has an updraft up like this, and then it comes back around. I'm like, that's a penis. I recorded it on my phone, <laughs> sent it to Mrs. Bruiser. The fact that the man's name is Larry Sprinkle. You know that's, that that's why that's the only reason I watch it. <laughs> you know that's not his God given name, right? Oh God, no. And he's terrible at the weather. Yeah. But I watch him because of his name. He drew me in because of his name. Larry He's an old Sprinkle. man. I'll just send you the video too. He's an old man. Please do. Yeah. We've old got old man drug dicks. I've got to find a YouTube clip of him and put it up on our blog. Just <laughs> just look up Larry Sprinkle, North Carolina. You'll get him. Sprinkle drawn dicks. That's what I'm going to put on our blog. Just so people can see it. Okay. Sprinkle drawn dicks. <laughs> There's got to be. Well, now we got, we got Cox drawn Cox, too, because yeah. she's the meteorologist here, right? I guess. Yeah, she probably is. <laughs> So Taylor Cox explains what many people across the Oklahoma City area metro might have saw or seen. It saw, I guess. Chip Coffee had a real problem this past week with with grammar. What people, you know, is it saw or seen? Right. I would think in that situation to be seen, but it's saw. That's the only one I failed miserably at. I, I failed miserably at that, too. Yeah. Many viewers reach out to KOCO5 asking... Uh, about what it was, the object could be seen, not saw, in the Oklahoma City metro. I'm going to have to talk to Chip about that this weekend. Including Norman, Moore, and OKC, or Oklahoma City. Some say they thought it was or looked like a UFO. However, Oklahoma didn't get visitors from another planet. KOCO5 meteorologist Damon Lane and Jonathan Condor. The names are amazing. <laughs> Jonathan Condor said the flying object was likely a high-altitude research balloon. Oh, they get way up there, huh? I guess. Does a research balloon really get that high? I I don't know. Uh, The National Weather Service in Norman said they were fairly confident it was a high-altitude balloon. At the time many saw it, a transponder was present for a USA balloon, slowly moving east to west over the east and south Oklahoma City metro, looking at flight tracks online, according to National Weather Service officials. They posted that to, now the article says, posted to X, formerly known as Twitter. (laughs) Somebody's trying to kiss Elon's ass. Just saying. 
Yeah. So there you go. There you go. There you go. One more story before we go to break here. There are some bizarre polygons on Mars surface that hint that alien life on the red planet was possible. Okay. Uh, I kind of feel like we might have covered this one at one time. A patchwork of polygon-shaped cracks in ancient Martian mud are evidence of past wet-dry cycles, which could have helped. I think we did cover this. Yeah, we covered this. Yeah, which could have helped extraterrestrial life emerge on the planet. We were talking about cracks in the mud, I think, uh, a week or two ago. Yes, we were. Yeah. So there you go. We, we've talked about it before, but yeah, wet-dry cracks in the mud. Uh, and, of course, when you have... Uh, water on the planet that potentially could lead to life. So, Yep, because there's the bacteria and all that stuff. There you go. So there you go. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about puppies chewing on toes. And of course, when and this sent in by a listener, when puppies are chewing on toes down to the bone, it actually saves somebody's life. Now, I get this from a listener probably because uh, we were talking about how cats will eat you. Yes. Um, and dogs will leave you alone. Uh, evidently, this listener had something to, uh, <laughs> had, to had to argue the the exact opposite. So uh, although I didn't get a note saying anything to the the contrary, uh, I think they just wanted to prove that dogs will do it, too. OK, this dog Which had to be starving. They will when they're hungry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. The dog had to be starving. We have a little bit of a controversy in Fall River, Massachusetts. I wrestled there. What's the, I wonder what the controversy is. The controversy has to do with a Lizzie Borden trademark. Okay. Okay. And can you serve coffee with the name Lizzie Borden? Our good friend Tim Weisberg did an interview with the, and it's a fascinating interview, uh, with the owner of Miss Lizzie's Coffee this past week. There's been a coffee shop set up right next door to the Lizzie Borden house, and the owners of the Lizzie Borden house are hopping mad. Well, I would be too. So we'll talk about that. And actually, the townspeople are behind the coffee shop. Real okay. So all they're right. trying to profit on all these people coming. Hashtag we are Lizzie Borden. <laughs> There's a movement. We'll talk about that when we come back. Uh, it's a business thing. Is it the best big Bigfoot sighting ever? We'll talk about photos of the mythical creature that have been taken. People are saying that this is empirical proof of the creature we'll talk about that when we come back and at the end of the program people's is boning on tombstones we'll tell you where and why it's the fast and the furious boner edition (laughs) of supernatural news here on a wednesday on the best in paranormal programming you're listening to darkness radio Welcome back to the best in paranormal programming. This is Darkness Radio on a Wednesday. Supernatural news. It's a cruiser and a bruiser. We got the best of the hits. We're rocking them back and forth, left to right, up and down, around the dial. Talking about Van Halen. We're talking about Boston. We're talking about the Rolling Stones. We might even play those hippies, the Beatles. 
We got tickets to give away for Earth, Wind, and Fire! Sunday, Sunday, Sunday! Looks like a UFO through one of the horn section out of its back door! Looks like he's flying over Oklahoma! Just saying. <laughs> just up there. Yeah, he's just up there flying around. I don't know. <laughs> Getting pop-up ads for... Uh, for... Uh, you never fire enough. Earth, wind, and fire. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I think we're talking too much about them. <laughs> <laughs> they were just uh, Earth, wind, and fire. You know, I actually went and saw them on my birthday one year. Did you? Yeah, I came back from uh, came back that day from Michigan Paracon. They were playing that night at the Minnesota State Fair. One of the best shows I've ever seen. I was gonna say I saw them at the Wisconsin State Fair, and I was blown away. Yeah, yeah. Even though uh, a lot of the originals are no longer there, uh, it. Um, it's the guy with the high voice is still there. Yeah. Uh, I forget his name. Yeah, I didn't know any of the members. I just enjoyed their music. Maurice White, God rest his soul, is gone now. Um, okay. But there's still, uh, I think, like two or three originals that are still with the band. But that, that's okay. about it. Everybody else is second, second or third generation. But, hey, uh, still. Man, they're one of the tightest bands out there, though. Well, yeah. Yeah, and you know bands like that can last forever. It's like a band like Bar. Yeah. you know, yeah. you can just, as long as you have the like hell, even Skinner could last forever if you wanted it to. When you have that many, like again, you got to get the voice to Skin- match. But Skinner is one of those bands I cringe though because when Rossington died, that to me it was like you know what they need to fold it. They they, okay. they just need to fold it. It, it. When you still got one original band member, okay, okay, but I don't think they have anybody original now. I, I, no, what do you think about like a band like Chicago? Some of those big band bands. See, Peter Cetera has come back, so I'm good with it now. Okay. I'm good with it. Um, and I think there's still one or two original band members, like in the horn section or something like that. Yeah. So I'm okay. And they and then they brought they also brought back the original lead singer from the, the early 70s. Oh, okay. So they, okay. they kind of trade off. Satara's been kind of going back and forth and back and forth, and he'll show up on different tours. But they brought back the original, original, like Saturday in the Park singer. Yeah. I'm good with it. If, now, are you good with, like, children replacing parents in bands? If if they're just as good as a musician? I'll give like, you— let's say, let's say Van Halen got back together yes, and Wolfgang yes, jumped okay, in there. Yes, I would be fine with that. If, you if, know, if, Foo if, Fighters replaced Hawkins with his son. Yes, well, no, 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 they didn't. Uh, it's uh, no, no, I'm saying if they did, if they did, would that yeah, be okay? yeah, that'd be, I'd be perfectly fine. Like if Metallica all of a sudden they all pass, but you have Hetfield's kid, you know, Kirk's kid, all of them, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm fine with that because they they're playing. Or you know what would be the perfect one? And I don't understand why they didn't pull the trigger. I have a huge problem with Robert Plant because he wouldn't take Jason Bonham on. Okay. Well, I'm not a Led Zeppelin fan. That's I get I get yelled at all the time musically because I am not really? a Led Zeppelin fan. Huh. Okay, that's never really a nice split. I was but... never never a Led Zeppelin fan. I'm, I really. Yeah, I just I didn't get. That's the '70s band that I just didn't get. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, there's a few songs I you know that I get, but I didn't I didn't get the hype behind them. I I just and I always every time they say oh say something musically that will piss people off. I say that. Okay, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, you know what um, it is because they're inspirational yeah. for a lot of stuff, and and they're all very good artists. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, but Plant's too ethereal. He's too. Um, 
that that's that was the problem with Zeppelin. He was too ethereal. He he wanted to do too many different things at one time. And and when Bonzo died, it, it, he when he said, "Well, that's it. That's that's it with the band." That he, really the drum beat was one of the heart and souls of of Led Zeppelin. It was different. Yeah. But when Jason Bonham got old enough, he truly embodied his father. He truly knew inside and out. He was trained by his father. Yeah. He knew that band. He knew it inside and out. He knew the he he drums like his father. He's got that heavy drum beat. And I, yeah, I know it's not music hour here on on Supernatural <laughs> News, but I'm just saying if you want to talk about somebody embodying the soul of someone, Jason Bonham was just like John Bonham. Okay, right down to the DNA. It's in his soul, right? And Robert Plant is so. I'm trying not to swear here, but he's so goddamn pigheaded that he's wasted the best years of Zeppelin. He really has. Okay. And I think it's vanity. I, I really do think it's vanity, and he doesn't want to split the money. Yeah. I think that's what it comes down to. I, I believe that 100%. Yeah. That's usually what it comes down to when it comes to bands like that. Yeah. I think that's exactly what it is. And I think he thinks that, you know what, if I just get together with Jimmy Page every few years and do a tour, do an album, it's okay. That's going to satiate the Zeppelin fans. Yeah. It, but it does it for the Kiss fans. So, yeah, that's that's another band that I have issues with. Oh, yeah. They need to retire. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, you know, they you, never will. You can't, you know, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley can't just grab two other members and tour as Kiss and think that that's okay. Yep. They think they can, but. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, that's that's not okay. Nope. Yeah. And that, again, comes down to money. Yeah, it does. And, you know, I, it... Uh, uh, <laughs> we I, can go on for yeah, hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it, there's there's certain situations that, yeah, it's okay. You know, I would love... and I But, you know, I understand. I've read a lot of interviews with, with Wolfgang Van Halen, and I, I respect the hell out of that guy. He, well, his band Monmouth is fantastic. If oh, you haven't God. heard them, oh, I they're have, amazing. I have, I have both albums, and I want to see them when he comes to town here this fall. Yeah, um, they're on my list of people to see. Yeah. It, they're an amazing band. And I love that they they didn't, they didn't did the uh, Jacob Dylan route, where they didn't let everyone know, hey, we got Wolfgang in this band. You know what I mean? They, they built the name on just the band name. Well, it is him. I mean, in the studio, he plays all the instruments. But, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he didn't put it out there as this is my, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. He put it out as Monmouth, not Wolfgang. You know what, you get what I'm saying? Like he yeah, could have yeah. lived off the Van Halen name. He could have. Well, he, it kind of, I mean, it's, it's Mammoth WVH is the whole, is the whole name of the band. But in this, this album that just came out, I mean, it just came out this month is actually more focused on his grief dealing with Eddie's death. Okay. So it's a darker album. But he says this is the album, not the first. The first album was in the can, really, before Eddie died. Eddie heard the first album and loved okay. it. He thought it was great. Yeah. And he wanted Wolfie to take off and go tour before he died. But he refused to. He wanted to be there for Eddie before he died. He wanted to make sure he was there for Eddie. Um, but this new album is basically Wolfie's... It's, it's Wolfie's... Grieving process. Okay. Which I got to think is tough. I mean. Yeah, but that produces some of the best music out there, man. Sure. Like, 
you go back to some of the greatest albums of all time and it was an artist going through something but you know you know you, you if you produce hits off this deal then this is the rest of your career you're reliving your feelings about your father not true because uh uh eddie vetter of pearl jam when he wrote alive that was about not knowing his father until his father was dead and the grief and the the guilt and all that and if you watch the storytellers album which comes out it's like the 20 i think it's like the 20th anniversary or whatever he says the best part about writing these songs is watching the evolution of the song when i wrote it this is where i was but over the years you guys have changed it for me and when I hear you sing it and I hear your stories of how it affected you, it changes it. And now it's a story of how we as a band are a lot, you know, so oh, okay. All right. those songs morph. You got to think about that. They yeah. write it for their grief. They write it for their process. But then when it gets out there and people come up and, and think about it, you've had times where you've been down and a song has been there for you. Oh, yeah. And you want to tell that artist, hey, you know, you when I was down, you did this for me. That changes the perspective of stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I uh, recently got to see Warlord and Barbarian at, at that Andre signing, and I got to thank them because the, the weekend after my father-in-law passed away, I wrestled them. Oh, okay. And I was not in the right headspace to perform. And Warlord had pulled me aside and says, hey, I know you're going through a lot. We'll get you through this. And then they ended up putting us over in the match, which is unheard of. Yeah. And – so at the Andre show, here we are 10 years later, I got to walk up to him and thank him because oh, wow. he was able to do that. And yeah, it was just another match for him, but it had helped me so much in that grieving process, mm -hmm. you know, so I was able to thank him. So now when he looks back on that memory, it's changed now, kind of like a song. Right now, right now. Well, let's change the memory of uh, what happened to this guy. Because <laughs> 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 I... Uh, <laughs> This this story comes from a listener. Um, he, he, I guess he wants to change the memory of cats eating us when we die. <laughs> I don't know. It still doesn't change my memory whatsoever. A man from the UK was shocked to find out that his dog had almost chewed off his toe. However, he later realized that this unintentional ampetation, get it, amputation. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. Might have actually saved his life. A former construction worker shared his experience of waking up in a state of shock to discover that his puppy had gnawed his big toe down to the bone. I, did, I don't think this qualifies as dog trying to eat you. No, I think it's dog playing with your foot. I'll tell you why in a second. No, 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 not even playing, playing with his foot. I'll tell you, the dog did actually try to save his life. 64-year-old okay. David Lindsay from Cambridge in the UK was roused by his wife's abrupt shouting while he was asleep on a sofa at the residence. Upon waking, he discovered that his right big toe was covered in blood due to his puppy's actions. Uh, as he was sleeping, his seven-month-old bulldog puppy named Harley managed to fracture the bone in his toe and leave his toenail hanging loose, leading to a shocking situation. Surprisingly, this distressing event had an unexpected silver lining. Medical professionals later found that this incident may have been a blessing in disguise. They discovered that he had lost sensation in his feet due to blockages in two arteries in his legs. Despite, or rather, in spite of his injury... 
uh, David, who is a father of his five daughters and a grandfather to 11 kids, has no intentions of parting ways with the mischievous puppy, which the puppy isn't mischievous. I'll explain why in a second. This is because the puppy unintentionally played a role in potentially saving his life. David, who has diabetes, said, I was asleep on the couch when my wife walked in and shouted, Dave, the puppy's chewing your toe. The puppy had nearly had near enough chewed my big toe off. It chewed it down to the bone and cracked it. But because of this, I discovered that my foot was completely numb and I can't feel anything. Lindsay's wife promptly wrapped the injured toe and took took her husband, now with a shortened toe, to the hospital. There he discovered he had developed an infection as a result of the bite. He did not have it as a result of the bite. I'll explain in a second. He had to stay in the hospital for a span of nine days where medical professionals provided intravenous antibiotics to prevent the infection from reaching his bone. If the blood supply hadn't been restored, the blockages could have jeopardized his entire leg and potentially led to amputation. Thanks to his dog, Dave is currently undergoing evaluations for the placement of stents. These stents aim to unblock the arteries and restore proper blood flow to his leg. Because of all this, I discovered that my foot is completely numb. I can't feel anything, exclaimed the patient who suffers from diabetes. Lindsay has since learned to see the funny side of the situation. You've got to laugh about it, mused the owner, who has no plans to give away the dog who nipped his problem to the nub. Now... Um, they also go on to say, I'm waiting to find out if they can put stints in it. Lindsay said, I'll be keeping the dog. He added, I'll try to keep my toe too. But if not, I told the doctor to cut it off and I can take it home for him. (laughs) I don't think the dog wants it after that. I'll explain why in a second. Uh, While it's improbable that Harley truly sensed his owner was in danger, dogs have demonstrated a remarkable ability to detect diseases. Here's where it comes in. Now, that dog was not gnawing on the toe, and here's the toe and where the dog was gnawing. It wasn't as bad as what they were saying. No. Um, The dog was gnawing away on the toe because it sensed that the toe had gangrenous tissue in it. Yeah. It sensed the infection. So it was trying to get the infection out. Right. It was trying to to gnaw away at the, the bad tissue. If, if you ever notice when you have a dog around, it smells for infection. It smells infected tissue. Dogs are very good at smelling infection. And the first thing they'll do is they'll try to lick and they'll try to, try to, they heal themselves, especially when they have infection, by licking away infection and trying to heal that, that wound. That's how they heal wounds. So what he did is he went up to his master and tried to bite away and lick away the infection. Yeah, like Ziggy will get moles every once in a while on her paws. Just it's just her breed, and we'll have to catch her gnawing and licking, and that's what she's trying to do. She's trying to yeah to heal herself, right? And that's all the dog was trying to do, and the dog succeeded at doing that. In fact, yep. the dog probably bit away some of the gangrene that was there, and saved the guy's life. Oh yeah, yeah. Dog should get an award. Yeah, exactly. You shouldn't be putting the dog down. The dog should be, like you said, getting an award. Uh, let's move on. Let's go to Fall River, Massachusetts, where Lizzie Borden's the most famous thing in town. Oh, yeah. Now Lizzie Borden is the center of controversy. 
She's always been the center of controversy. Well, think about it. More <laughs> so, this is a bigger controversy. More yeah. so now because it involves uh, the center of commerce in, in Fall River. A Lizzie Borden-themed coffee shop is sparking a feud with a neighboring Lizzie Borden Museum. The Lizzie Borden Museum bed and breakfast, we'll put it that way, because it is a bed and breakfast now, is, is what has everybody up in arms. A spat between a museum and a coffee shop is the latest conflict to haunt a quiet Massachusetts block. Both establishments are tributes to Lizzie Borden. The woman accused and acquitted of acts murdering her father and stepmother in Fall River, Massachusetts, over 130 years ago. Fall River's history is ripe with Borden fanatics, and every year tourists visit the city to take in Borden's presence and learn more about the fascinating history of the woman who is widely believed to have gotten away with killing her parents. The museum, called the Lizzie Borden House, is located at 232nd Street, the very site where Andrew and Abby Borden, Lizzie's father and stepmother, were hacked to death in 1892. Now, just steps away from the museum at 242 Second Street is Miss Lizzie's Coffee. Okay. Okay, and they're brand new to the neighborhood. On August 4th, the 131st anniversary of the Axe Murderers, owner Joe Pereira opened up Miss Lizzie's and billing it to the Fall River Reporter as the most haunted coffee shop in the world. And yes, they are haunted. Really? Okay. Yes, our good friend, Tim Weisberg, who hosts Spooky South Coast, actually went over there and did an investigation. Now, it's not Lizzie, right? It's just haunted on its own? It's just haunted on its own. I don't know which spirits are over there. We, I haven't gotten a report as to what's what's actually over there, but, but he actually investigated the property. That is crazy. Yeah. So, he, so the owner's like, well, hey, I already have a haunted coffee shop. How can I make this no, no, no. more they, mainstream? They just opened up on August 4th. They're a brand new business. And they they opened up with the idea. And they, they actually run this past. Now, now the, the Lizzie Borden Museum or the Lizzie Borden Axe House or wh- whatever you want to call it, the Lizzie Borden House, is owned by U.S. Ghost Adventures. Okay. Okay. Now, you're about to see the oxymoron here in the entire deal. Yeah. They are a national company. They own the Velisca Axe House. They own different national monuments or haunted monuments throughout the country. Right? Okay. Okay. So they have a huge problem with Mr. Pereira because he built this specifically right next door to the Lizzie Borden house, this coffee shop. The reason they have this problem, and I'll, I'll explain here in a second. It says, according to the owner, the site of the coffee shop is where Borden's great aunt had murdered her two children and then killed herself in 1848. That explains the haunting. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. The ghosts of the children continue to roam and inhabit the area, according to owner Joe Pereira. Uh, The opening of the coffee shop seems to have turned Pereira into an enemy. Here we go. Of Lance Zoll who owns the Lizzie Borden house, which in addition to being a museum, sells Lizzie Borden bobbleheads for $25, toy bloody axes for $30, and doubles as a bed and breakfast where guests can rent what is billed as the very room where Andrew and Abby Borden were killed. There's more to this too, and I'll explain in a second why there's the beef between the two places. In a statement published by the Fall River Reporters, Zoll said the coffee shop violates the museum's intellectual property rights. We are taking appropriate action to correct this and defend our marks, the statement continued. 
Uh, we have also been selling Lizzie Borden coffee in the gift shop. Here we go. And plan to provide coffee options to our guests directly. Now, as Tim pointed out on his show, uh, he has a, a local radio show and interviewed Joe Pereira. His guests, or the, the Mr. Zoll's guests at the Lizzie Borden house are only about eight to 10 at any given time. Okay. He sells his coffee right there in the, in the gift shop. Now, if you were a guest at the Lizzie Borden house and you had the option of getting coffee, wouldn't you rather just go down in your grubbies and get a cup of coffee down there rather than walking across? Well, and, definitely. Yeah. And, and going to the coffee shop. Yeah. Cause I don't have to wait in line. I can get up however I am. It's right there. Exactly. I can take it back to my room, whatever. Yeah. Right. The other thing, and this is the other thing Tim pointed out on his show, which is brilliant. If you are Mr. Zoll, Lance Zoll, who is the owner or proprietor of the Lizzie Borden house, wouldn't you approach Miss Lizzie's coffee and say, listen, I already have a brand of Lizzie Borden coffee. Why don't we make a deal and I put my brand of coffee in your coffee shop? Yeah, both make money. Exactly. Yeah. Why is there a squabble? I'm betting the the coffee shop owner either turned that down or the Lizzie Borden owner hasn't approached him with it. Joe Pereira was on the show and didn't have any issues with it. So it was never it was never suggested. It was never never brought up. No, gotcha. Never 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 brought up. If I'm the Lizzie Borden owner and I see this as an opportunity to make more money to sell my coffee to a wider range of people than just the eight to ten that stay at my sh my shop. I'd approach the guy. Now, if he shoots me down, now we have problems. But if he says, sure, okay, well, now I have my product being sold at the, the B&B, and I have it sold next door at this coffee shop, which, which is probably getting more foot traffic than I am. Mm -hmm. It's a win-win for both. Now, can they trademark the Lizzie Borden name or no because it's a name? Here we go. I'll tell, okay. you, I'll tell you here in a second. Now, Pereira said he reached out to the museum to inform its staff about his plans to open Miss Lizzie's about eight or nine months ago. He even said he called up Zoll himself, but never heard back. He said, I've never met the man. He so he's said, doing it the right way. He's doing it by the book. He wants to make this up and up. Hey, yeah. I'm not trying to step on your toes. There's an opportunity for us to make money. Let's do this. Yep. He said he was initially surprised to hear that Zoll claimed Pereira was in violation of an intellectual property law. Borden in her history, he said, belongs to Fall River, not to any individual business or organization. Even so, Pereira senses a disconnect between the owner and his own staff members. The museum employees, he said, frequent his coffee shop. <laughs> of course they do. They even gave him a Lizzie Borden poster to commemorate the opening. Okay. Okay. Pereira said he thinks his coffee shop ultimately benefits the museum. When patrons come in for a cup of coffee, the coffee names are, of course, inspired by Borden's story. Pereira and staff members recommend that they also check out the museum. So he's trying to cross traffic. He's trying to throw business back towards the Borden house. Yeah. He's trying to do what's best for everybody. That's right. He said, I think there's room in the Lizzie Borden universe for everyone. Pereira said he holds no malice against Zoll or the museum. He said he's visited the museum many times and would encourage Zoll to embrace his coffee shop. 
I'm just selling coffee and some pastries, he said. I think he's comparing apples apples and oranges. No, he's comparing pears and axes, he went on to say. (laughs) And Borden herself can't be contained to one place, he said. Borden exists throughout uh, throughout all of Fall River. All he owns is the house, Pereira said. He doesn't own Lizzie Borden. I don't think anybody can own Lizzie Borden. She's one hell of an independent broad. Pereira added a word of caution, and I would want to get on Lizzie Borden. He said, I would not want to get on Lizzie Borden's bad side, because last time that happened, two people were murdered. Up next for the coffee shop is an art gallery expansion. So he's expanding off of that. Actually, it's his daughter who's running the art gallery. Uh, Pereira said he plans to knock down a wall and make the shop bigger and install an art gallery with tables and chairs for members of the public. When asked if any supernatural version of Lizzie had visited the coffee shop, Pereira admitted that he had felt Borden's presence and her approval. He said, I think she loves my coffee. (laughs) So I would encourage people, you know, Tim, you can find Tim Weisberg, W-E-I-S-B-E-R-G. You can find him on social media. You can find him on on, uh, Facebook. He has a link to that interview with Joe Pereira. It's very intriguing. It's about 15 minutes long. And Lance Saul has been very quiet about this. All he's done is he's put out the, uh, for lack of a better term, not a legal, not a legal uh, stoppage, but he's just put out a statement. Gotcha. Saying Where he's that not supporting it. Yeah, that that he wants to protect his marks. That's the quote. I want to protect my marks. But the fact of the matter is, I don't think you can trademark a name, a living no, you, person. I know you can't. That's why, like, if you watch wrestlers get signed by WWE, like the Hardys. Yeah. Their name was spelled H A R D Y Z because they can trademark that. They can't trademark their actual name. Right. So it's uh So he could trademark the Lizzie Borden House. Right. It's the house or the Lizzie Borden Museum. Yep. He can't trademark Lizzie Borden because that's an actual right. physical human. And all that Mr. Pereira has done is trademark Miss Lizzie's coffee which now if, if it wasn't in that location could have been his grandmother for all we know but that, because it's in that location that's right we put two and two together and yeah. we haven't seen the packaging and all that but miss lizzie's coffee is a broad term it's just where it's located is why it's right and if you're talking i, I think this guy the other guy the the lizzie borden house owner i think he's missing on a huge yeah, opportunity he's, to he's, cross promote and make money. He's leaving money on the floor right now. He really because, is. like you said, his company owns a bunch of other the axe houses and stuff like that. You could create different versions of coffee representing those different locations and sell them at one central location. Yeah, and all you got to do is just get him product. He'll sell it. Yeah, yeah, and you know you could still offer Lizzie Borden coffee in your in your in your shop in the in the Lizzie Borden house. Because it's convenient. It's right there. Exactly. You don't have to change a thing. Yeah. Brew right there. But go over to Miss Lizzie's and say, hey, would you would you sell my brand in your shop? Would you brew my brand in your shop and offer it as a a special brand or offer it as a featured brand? And he's 
passing, missing up on promotion opportunities. Like, hey, we have because they do ghost hunts at the Lizzie Borden house, mm-hmm. which I'm sure he charges for and he runs. He could advertise, hey, can we throw this logo up on your coffee cups? Can I every time someone orders something, can they have a flyer? Yeah, you, you know what I mean. It's that's yep. that old school carny way of promoting. Yep. yep, to make money. Yep, but yeah, he's leaving money on the floor because yep. he, he wants to squabble. He could even leave a couple little trinkets over there, and people are like, "Oh, I like this little axe keychain." And the person go, "Oh yeah, well they have the the inflatable axes over next door." Yep. Oh, they have a gift shop next door. Yep. Just head over there. They got shirts. They got this. They got this. They got this. Yep. Yep. Boom. Everybody, Guy's got more customers. Everybody wins. But but yeah, it's. Uh, what I, do we know about business, Tim? Huh? <laughs> absolutely nothing. <laughs> Let's move on. A woman was stabbed 16 times by a man hiding in her basement for 26 hours and says a ghost saved her. Oh, yeah. Thank you, ghost. Speaking of uh, wax with an axe, by the way, on Tim's uh, Facebook, I left. uh, uh, We were talking. He's talking about trademarks with Joe Pereira. Yeah. And I said, all right, well, I got an idea. I'm going to put a shop in. I said, Tim, it's time for us to put a shop in. Tim Weisberg and I have a new shop going in. It's called Ms. Lizzie Sandwiches and Hoagies and Grinders. So what we're going to do is we're going to hire uh, ex-chefs from Benihana, and they're going to chop up uh, uh, sandwiches, 40, 40 wax with an axe, and so you're going to get 40 pieces of sandwiches when you uh, when you order your sandwiches. Uh, Perfect. And now that's trademark, so don't go don't go taking it. <laughs> don't so, go taking it. Yeah. Okay. Ms. Lizzie's sandwiches, hoagies, and grinders. It'll All right. Right next to Ms. Lizzie's coffee on the other side. So um, so you'll have the Lizzie Borden House, Ms. Lizzie's coffee, and Ms. Lizzie's sandwiches, hoagies, and grinders. So yeah, and you can sit and watch the the Benihana chefs uh, hit it with 40 wax with an axe. I love it. That's a great idea. Yeah, see, uh, that's that's money making right there. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and we'll actually work with Ms. Lizzie's coffee. So serve the coffee there, or yeah. they can serve your sandwiches over there. Look at that. Exactly. We'll we'll just say, hey, you want something to drink? You just go over to Miss Lizzie's coffee. Yep. We don't have anything to drink here. You gotta go next door. That's right. You gotta go next door for something to drink. So there you go. So yeah, a woman has been stabbed sixteen times by a man hiding in the basement for twenty six hours and a ghost saved her evidently according to her 25 year old eilish poe that's a name that is yeah i don't think she grew up here (laughs) uh was stabbed 16 times in the neck torso and arms by her ex-boyfriend who had refused to accept the relationship was over and then took his own life following the horrific attack in colorado uh, a school teacher who was stabbed 16 times by her ex-boyfriend has claimed that she was saved by the ghost of a woman who died in her hometown and says she's seen shadow people ever since the attack. Really? Yeah. 25-year-old Eilish Poe from Fort Collins, Colorado. Evidently, she was born here. She just has hippie <laughs> parents, I guess. Uh, opened up about her traumatic experience during a podcast series. She also spoke about the paranormal activity that she's faced ever since. On October 4th of 2020, Eilish was stabbed repeatedly in the neck, torso, and arms during a vicious attack by her suicidal ex-boyfriend, Jonathan Crossley. The 25-year-old had broken into her home while she was at work and had lay in wait for 26 hours in her crawl space. He pounced on Eilish, who was dressed in pink flamingo pattern pajamas and matching slippers when she went to check on her pet rabbit. 
Eilish recounted what happened to police, but left out one detail. During what she thought was her final moments, she claims to have seen three crystal clear ghosts of people who had died in her lifetime. She also said one of them helped her reach her phone as she struggled to stay alive. Crossley had turned up at the home with a backpack full of snacks, water, and books before jumping on Eilis as she, she wa- walked down the stairs. He attacked her without saying anything or showing any expression. And hours later, he jumped 150 feet from a cliff edge. Jeez. Eilis tried fighting back, screaming as Crossley slammed her head against a wall and stabbed her. She lost huge amounts of blood and was pleading with him to stop when she tried her last resort, which was playing dead. Which is sometimes the best thing to do. Yeah. She lay in a pool of her own blood, crying for several minutes until she was sure her ex had left, telling officers she managed to find her phone and call 911, despite having lost the ability to use her arms. Oh, my God. Almost three years after the horrific attack and ten surgeries later. Oh, jeez. Wow. Eilish has opened up about her paranormal experiences in a five-episode series of the Otherworld podcast hosted by Jack Wagner. I really hope it's the guy who sings All I Need. (laughs) I hope it's that Jack Wagner. And I hope he sings to her on every episode. He does. Yeah, <laughs> that's, how just, he, that's how he ends every episode. Just singing tenderly to her, and then he closes the episode and says goodnight. Uh, she explained how a three-month summer fling with Crosley at the time, two years older than her, turned into a near-death experience. She said she believes that her brush with death has opened the door to another world inhabited by shadow people. Eilish, originally from Fate, Texas, Oh, God, what a town to grow up in fate, Texas. I was going to say, and have powers now? Yeah. Abilities? Said she and Crossley first met two years ago, or rather two years before when they were both working with children at a summer camp. The relationship was initially light and fun, but Eilish said Crossley soon began demanding something more serious, which she, just 23 at the time, was not ready for. Eilish said she was very upfront with him from the start, but their relationship turned sour with him yelling at her and his friends over small disagreements. Things started taking a more sinister turn when Eilish tried to break up with Crossley. He refused to accept their relationship was over and would constantly turn up at her house with chocolate and flowers and leaving her chilling voicemail saying he loved her. A few months later, Crossley appeared to have given up and Eilish thought she was in the clear. But on November 3rd of 2020, the day before the vicious attack, he texted, he texted Eilish saying he wanted to reconcile still. She was unaware that at the time Crossley was sending her these messages, or that he was sending her these messages, he was lying in wait in her home, conspiring to kill her, having broken it, having oh, broke. Yeah, that, that's creepy. That's terrifying. Yeah. Having broken in through a ground floor window, Eilish said, I got home from work and realized the basement door was open, which was weird at first, but I really didn't think it was too bizarre that it was open. I just closed it. I really didn't think too much of it. Uh, Eilish said she went to change into her pajamas and went to check on her pet bunny, Boomer. Then she heard a noise and turned around to see Crossley charging toward her. That's terrifying. Yeah. He attempted to put her in a chokehold, and Eilish fought back, striking him with her elbows and knees, aiming for the groin. She said, he then pushed me down the stairs, and I hit my back pretty hard. 
He grabbed me by the back of my hair. He shoved my head into the wall five or six times. After that, he took out a knife, like a normal kitchen knife. It was like four inches long, probably, and he overpowered me. Eilish said it was at this moment, time seemed to slow down, and she screamed at her ex to try and make him stop. He said, I tried to get into his head, and I was being very specific with what I was saying, calling him by name because he was so detached. She then had what she called one of the most disturbing thoughts I've ever had, which was, I'm going to have to kill him. Yep. Yeah. Fight or flight. It's me or you. Eilish went for the knife, but grabbed hold of the blade, slicing her hand to the bone. She switched up her tactics and tried making emergency calls using Siri on her phone and her housemate's Amazon Echo, but was not successful. Oh, sure. Technology fails at that point. <laughs> Where's right? AI now trying to save a human? Right. Uh, as the attack continued, Eilish resorted to her final plan, which would save her life. So she stopped fighting, let her arms flop into her lap, so she lay on her back defenseless. She said, he stabbed me one final time. This was the deepest one, directly under my right collarbone. It actually ended up puncturing my lung, I'd find out later. The puncture created a big exhale sound as she rolled onto her side, which Eilish believes convinced crossly that she was dead as quickly as he started he just stopped she said he stared at me still on his knees time was so strange during this thing it felt like five minutes but realistically he probably just stared at me for like 10 seconds with her eyes slightly open she saw her ex leave letting the door hit her body on the way out eilish began a frantic search for her phone but soon realized her left at the moment didn't work and she would only or she could only use the fingers on her right hand. She knew her chances of survival were slipping away. She lay back, feeling that she was at death's door, and that's when some strange stuff started happening. She recalled seeing a carousel of people appear in the doorway two feet from where she was lying in a pool of her own blood. Among them she saw three ghosts of people she had lost within her lifetime. My paternal grandmother was standing right there, she remembered. She was standing there just kind of quaintly smiling at me. She didn't wave or anything like that. Eilish said she felt confronted and even joyful to see her grandmother, Jeannie, who she never got to say goodbye to. She said her grandmother was standing tall and just there so clearly. And then she wasn't, she continued. She was just gone. A second later, as if Jeannie faded out, the next person faded in. Eilish's high school best friend, Vicky, who had taken her life in February of 2020, appeared next. She said she was also just standing there, and the same as Jeannie, she had had this comforting smile on her face. I felt so fucking happy to see her because she committed suicide. I'm still grieving for her three years later, but it felt like a bonus time, even just for five seconds, or however long it was, to see her and be near her again. The third ghost, however, was less comforting. 32-year-old Alyssa Burkett was murdered by her ex-boyfriend who stabbed and shot her in broad daylight just a month before. When I saw her, I felt no comfort, Eilish said. I felt an overwhelming sense of urgency of, she is here to warn me, do not let this be you. This can't be you. She was there for a reason. She was there to get me out of there. The other two were smiling and happy, but when I saw Alyssa, her eyes were like bulging out of her head. She looked frantic. It was urgent. 
Eilish said Alyssa pushed the air with her hands, continuing, when that happened, it felt like her energy was passing through me. The next thing I know, she literally pulled me up, and I was sitting upright. Eilish managed to get a hold of her phone and tried to type in the number for emergency services. But she said, my fingers were so soaked with blood that I couldn't type anything. It wasn't sensing my touch on the screen. She remembered how to pull up an emergency SOS option, pressing in the volume and lock buttons. However, she was unable to use the slider due to the blood covering her hands. So she resorted to using her nose. That's amazing. Yeah. When she finds the urge to survive and the fight to survive and yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. When she finally heard the call go through, she said, I just rolled on my back. So relieved. Eilish said people have a lot of opinions on what she saw, but she said in reality, they weren't there. They don't know. Months after her attack, Eilish began seeing what she called shadow people, which others around her can't see. She said, I started seeing these shadowy figures. They used, uh, they used to be only in the corner of my eye. That kind of escalated to seeing them in front of me as clear as can be, but also not clear because it was a staticky type person, a figure always in the shape of a human. I've seen them probably between 50 and 100 times, like a lot. They never approach me apart from one specific time, and the second I start to walk towards it or acknowledge it, it's just gone. Eilish has, or has dismissed that what she sees is a result of PTSD, saying, I think because I almost crossed over, because it was so close, maybe those shadow people are people who are in the between of crossing over and they're in the middle of somewhere. Maybe that's why I can see them. Her experience has left her believing in an afterlife of some form. Eilish said she's be always been open to the idea of something paranormal or something out there after death, but is even more open to it now. I definitely don't have it figured out, but I think seeing two of my favorite people in the entire world in that really, really dire moment opened everything more and made me feel like people and souls are out there for us in ways that we don't understand, she said. Eilish has said that as she recovers from the mental and physical scars of her, her ordeal, she's been haunted less frequently by the shadow people. So maybe that realm is closing a little bit for her as she comes back more from the, uh, the metaphysical and more into the physical. Yeah, I think the near-death experience opened up some sort of ability, and now that she's healing more and and dealing with the 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 stress and stuff of everything it's the veil is starting to get a little thicker yeah i don't think she'll i don't think it'll completely go away no 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 uh we gotta move here let's uh let's talk about the best best bigfoot sighting ever photos of the mythical creature send fans wild it turns out that it may be one of life's greatest unsolved mystery, along with the Bermuda Triangle and the Curse of Tutankhamun, but the question is, does Bigfoot really exist? It might have been solved by one particular human. One man from the U.S. is one such believer who even reckons he's... Reckons? He's uh, <laughs> captured some of the most clear-cut footage of the ape-like monster in the Mississippi woodland. After Josh Highcliffe posted his video on YouTube eight years ago, other Bigfoot hunters agreed it was the best footage of the legendary creature they'd ever seen. And after all this time, fans still think his title remains uncontested. The footage filmed nine miles west of Tunica 
according to Josh, shows a huge broadback creature that resembles something like a gorilla in the background pulling bark off the trunk of a tree. The clip goes dark at one point where Josh explains that he was so frightened he actually accidentally stopped the recording for a moment. Yeah, I can believe that. You're shaking and you're terrified. Yeah. When it resumes, the dark, hairy creature is back in the center of the shot, pulling the bark off the tree and throwing it to the ground. The video becomes slightly shaky and goes in and out of focus as Josh's breathing becomes heavier, and it's clear he's frightened of the creature in front of him. Josh later explained that he took the footage while out hunting for hogs on land designated for hunting in the southern state. Lad Bible reports that he wrote, My first instinct was to run. I did not even think of shooting. Then I know no one will believe me. Uh, I was, it was like everything slowed down. I was scared. I took out my iPhone and then started videotaping it. I guess I pushed the record button twice because it stopped blinking red. And then I pushed it again. I hear a truck driving down the road and I, I think the thing stood up. I was trying to be dead quiet. And when it stood up, I could not control myself. And I ran. He further explained that the creature he captured on camera was around seven foot tall, according to his estimate. Nearly a decade on from the video being posted, Bigfoot believers still think Josh's footage is the best that they've ever seen of a creature that may be the mythical beast. One person recently left a comment underneath the video which read, Honestly, this is probably the best footage ever recorded. Amazing that it's not talked about more. Another said the footage appeared to be or appeared to capture a very natural movement or moment, rather, uh, saying when you hear the crack of the wood, when it rips it out, it sounds like it's got some real strength. Interestingly enough, let me show you a picture here real quick, Bruiser. It, to me, it looks rather, I mean, you can see that there's a shape there, but it is still rather fuzzy. It is, but I can see the fur. I can see the body. Yeah. I, I can see how that can be Bigfoot, yeah? Yeah. It's ape-like for sure. Yeah, it's definitely ape-like. I don't know how many wild apes are in Mississippi, so. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. You, you know. The thing is, too, like, I like people out there like, oh, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this? Okay. Bigfoot, whether you believe him or not, is a wild creature. Yep. And, and like, you and I have said numerous times on both shows, don't approach wild creatures and go pet them. They're wild creatures. Well, not, so yeah, not only that, is but. terrified in that moment because here's what he doesn't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And think about it, he, his first instinct is flight, even though he has a gun because he's hunting. So him getting that footage, however long it is, bravo, because he had the guts to stay there and film it. I, I, I'd be intrigued until the thing looked at me. Then it's like, okay, I'm leaving. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. you see a lion in the wild. From a distance, it's beautiful. Once it looks at you, that means it's hungry. Get the F out. Then your dinner. Yep. Yep. Uh, let's move on. A mysterious photo from 1917 shows a surfer man and as has people wondering if time travel really exists. So someone traveled to 1917 to surf? I guess. The, okay. pic- the picture entitled Last Picnic shows a group of adults and children sitting on a mound in Canada in 1917, but one person appears to stand out from the rest. A mysterious person from over 100 years ago as has people wondering whether time travel exists. The picture entitled Last Picnic shows a group of adults and children sitting on a mound in Canada in 1917. uh, The women, rather, can be seen wearing long skirts while the men are dressed in blazers and bowler hats. Uh, But what captured people's attention is a man bearing an uncanny resemblance to someone uh, from the 20th century. 
He stands out from the rest wearing a baggy t-shirt and shorts, as well as sporting a shaggy haircut. The surfer man, as some have dubbed him, appears to similarly confuse those surrounding him. A man to his left is seen looking his way in apparent disbelief, while a woman on the other side points towards him. Uh, YouTuber Jamie D. Grant stumbled across the photo in Lester Ray Peterson's 1974 historical book, The Great Cape Scott Story. Uh, in a video previously posted on the social media platform, he says, notice the group, their clothes, their hats, even how they sit posed for a or poised rather for a photo. Now look closer, his head uncovered, his hair, his shorts. The man on the left stares in disbelief. Has a mysterious traveler proved the impossible and journeyed through time? What do you think? Viewers took to the comments to give their opinions with one writing, I look through this book as a small child and notice this picture. Not only is it real, but at the time I just felt his clothes were a little ahead for being in this picture. It gives me chills. Another added, this guy looks like he was caught off guard in the picture. He definitely looks like he's from another time period. Cool video. However, others cast doubt over the speculation. According to express.co.uk, a person commenting on the book on goodreads.com referenced a Post-Gazette article saying in the comments to the article, someone mentioned that t-shirts were around then and that they made it to the common lexicon soon after that date. It appeared in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary in the 1920s. Considering that other guys in the picture also are wearing shorts, I'm going to say that he is not a time traveler. Other than Bill and Ted, what time travelers would think that a t-shirt and shorts would be the best thing to wear when time traveling into the past anyways? Right. Right. Recently, it was reported how unearthed footage from 1938 appeared to show someone using a mobile phone in the clip of people walking toward the camera. One young woman could be seen holding something to the side of her head. Conspiracy theorists claim the woman had been caught on film chatting on a phone decades before the technology was invented. The woman has been seen chatting as she walks in the crowd of people with the device clamped over the side of her head with one hand. She then lowers it before the clip or film clip ends as the woman clad in a stylish 30s dress lowers the object from her ear. It can be seen as a dark hand-sized item, the same dimensions as a modern mobile phone. The mystery deepens then when one YouTuber uh, came forward claiming the woman in the shot was their great-grandmother, and she was, in fact, using a mobile phone. According to YouTube user PlanetCheck, the divide is an experimental wireless phone developed by industrial giant DuPont at their factory in Lemonster, Massachusetts. The, the, the problem I have with some of these time traveler photos where it's someone on a phone, a cell phone, or whatever, who are they calling? It's not like your plan carries back a hundred years. You know what I mean? So if it's if it's somebody doing the So yeah, that I can see how he looks out of place. Yeah. It also looks fake. It does it does look fake, but this is from an actual book from nineteen seventy four. Because his skin tone is different than everybody else's skin tone. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah, this is a hard sell. Yeah, it is. It is. It looks like someone put him in there. He looks brighter than everybody else in the picture. Tell you what, I'll put this one up as well uh, in the yeah. description of the program so you can take a look. And you tell me, you know, we had we had uh, Mike Ricksecker on the program a couple of weeks ago and uh, we were talking about time travel and and whether it's possible and, and different types of time travel. This one's intriguing. 
this one's hard for me to to explain. Yeah, I, that's for sure. I'm not I'm not sold on that picture. Not sold on that one. No. Okay. Uh, tell you what, I'm going to skip the one story that there's a there's a story about ancient bones that um, in France in a French cave that could prove the existence of an unknown species, human species. We'll just give you the headline here that the bone, which is believed to be a hip bone, is known as an ilium and was excavated from a cave in the Vostgrat-Durenne uh, cave several decades ago. Um, and they're saying that it could prove that there's a, a new species of human. Yeah, that, that's my hip bone. That's where they sent it. Yeah, they, they found Bruiser, essentially. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are, related to that, there are graves belonging to the Knights Templar that were found in Staffordshire recently. Uh, the intriguing find has been likened to something out of Dan Brown's novel, The Da Vinci Code. One of the most wealthy and powerful organizations of the Middle Ages, the Knights Templar, have long been steeped in mystery and intrigue. Uh, now historian Edward Spencer Dias has made a dis fascinating discovery of eight Knights Templar graves on the grounds of the St. Mary's Church in Enville, Staffordshire. It's unclear exactly why there should be so many of them buried at this location, but the find could put the church on the map as one of the most significant Templar sites in England. He said, I believe these discoveries make Enville one of the most nationally important churches in the country, he said. That's due to its close links with William Marshall, who's considered one of the greatest warriors England ever produced. But there's mystery of why an, why an European Templar is buried at Enville and why they were secretly so prominent there, which is interesting. Yeah, it is. Very interesting. Yeah. So we'll report more on that as they find out, because obviously there might be some excavation there. Oh, they're definitely, um, especially when it comes to Templars. Like that's a big thing over there. Yeah, there's. I've got, I've got a story I'm going to say for next week uh, that that has to do with the most terrifying places on Earth, including the gates of hell and an abandoned hospital. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so I'll tease you with that. We'll save that for next week. How about that? Perfect. Uh, and likewise, I also have another story that's a little long that I think we'll save for next week as well. It has to do with, well, you know what? Uh, yeah, it is a little long. About ghost hunting at a haunted house that says sparks some Hollywood interest. It's, it is a little long, but, but we'll, we'll save that for next week as well. Okay. Yeah. And, and ghost hunting in, in the, the haunted movies and all that, it's getting another boom again. Thanks to the the new Conjuring movie, the new Exorcist movie, the new Insidious movie, all that. So yeah, yeah, I can see them being interested in another haunted house because those movies do well in the theaters. They do, they do. There's a whole slew of movies coming out starting here in September, September right? Beginning yeah, of September. Say, September. It's coming real close. Well, the the Nun Two is out now, September eighth. You've got that okay. coming up very very soon, right around the corner. Uh, you've got Haunting in Venice, which comes out, I think, September 15th. That's the one okay. I was telling you about with Tina yep, Fey. Yep, Tina Fey. Yep. Tina Fey and, and uh, why, why can't I think of his name? The, the big thespian. <laughs> that guy. That guy, yeah. Uh, Kenneth Branagh. That's his There it is. Yeah, I knew. I, I just had to rattle my old, old brain around. I'm 35 now, you know. Well, congratulations. I'll be 35 on Saturday, yeah. By the way, if you if you want to get me something, anybody wants to get me something, 
This is the big part of the program where I pander. You want to get me something? Uh, the, the Eagles and Steely Dan will be in Minneapolis and St. Paul on, on in November. Oh, okay. I'd like to see Steely Dan one more time. I know people are like, why? <laughs> <laughs> it's good music. It is good music. So, and it's the Eagles' last tour. So, you know. But it's not really the Eagles. No, I know it's all two of them. So, yeah. yeah. But you know. Yeah. 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 Uh, and our final story today, producer. Okay, this is the boning story, right? This is the boning story in the Fast and the Furious boner edition of Supernatural <laughs> News. I know we didn't lead up with very many bones. I, I meant to have more bone stories, but we're running short on time here today. Uh, here's the boner in the Fast and the Furious boner edition. We go to Ipswich, England. Oh, of course. Of course. Good boners in England. That's right. There's <laughs> a lot of boning in England. Uh, Suffolk police are requesting railings to stop sex on tombstones. That's got to be uncomfortable. Actually, these are flat. See, I'll show you. Uh, these are the, the flat. Oh, so, the, okay. Yep, yep. Yeah, these are the flat tombs. So. Well, hey, I'm going to New Orleans next month. I should talk oh, to Mrs. Bruiser. Yeah. Hey, that's how they have them in, uh, in New Orleans there. Maybe slipper a little Lady V and see if you can uh, get a little action on top of one of these. That's so disgraceful to whoever's <laughs> grave that is. <laughs> hey, they're a party city. Hey, let's pork on Samuel <laughs> yeah. Clemens' grave right here. Don't call it porking. <laughs> what are you doing? Well, I got to romanticize it. Yeah. Hey, let's bone. Make it love. Let's bone a man in love's tomb. No, you, you don't call it porking. What are you doing? You get to... Come on! No. <laughs> that wasn't what I meant to hit. I meant to do this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You get it. Yeah, baby. Yeah. What's up? See that tombstone over there? I'm as hard as that tombstone, baby. Yeah. Why don't you uh, bend over and read that epitaph? Oh, <laughs> no! Ah. <laughs> I'm as quick as that goes. Like a robbery, baby. <laughs> I don't know. That's probably not the way to do it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you know what I mean. Me, oh, I just... Baby, you won't even see me coming, baby. Way just I, like that ghost. The way I get him is I'm like, you know what, baby? Get ready for... Yeah. <laughs> get ready for... Yeah. Tar! <laughs> That's what I do. Yeah. I like going, hey, I was on TV. I, I, it doesn't I, work on Mrs. Bruiser at no, all. No, she, she's not going to buy that. No. 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 I just, uh, I say, who wants to see little? Ta-da! Yeah. <laughs> That's what I do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyways, oh, we're, we're talking about tombstones, boning on tombstones. Uh, police have suggested measures to stop sexual activity on tombstones as part of a town redevelopment project. It's <laughs> a good town redevelopment. Yeah. Hey, uh, we're going to have some developers come by. Could y'all please stop getting freaky on the tombstones? <laughs> you know, if they put some memory foam down on those tombstones, it'd be a little more comfortable. Yeah, yeah like well, they probably bring a blanket and candles. You got to romanticize it. Four inches of memory foam. Some of us old guys could get going on that thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Suffolk police have made the recommendations in a letter responding to plans to redevelop Eris Square in Ipswich. 
The area has had high levels of crime and antisocial behavior, including people using raised tombstones for sexual activity, drugs, and alcohol. And <laughs> hey, other- baby, let's do some lines off this coffin and then fuck on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, redevelopment plans will be discussed at a planning meeting on Wednesday as part of the council's Turning Our Town Around project. <laughs> Someone's getting turned around. Hey! <laughs> oh, wait, no, not me. <laughs> Sorry. Um, residents and business voted for the area, which is home to the redeveloped St. Stephen's Church music venue, to be fully redeveloped. In a letter published on Ipswich Borough Council's planning portal, the force said the area has typically suffered high levels of crime and antisocial behavior. They're calling it disrespectful in publicly accessible but secluded locations such as this. It is sadly common to find raised tombstones being used as tables to consume alcohol and drugs, the letter said. Boning antisocial. I think that's a pretty social event. <laughs> it kind of is. Unless you're by yourself. Oh, yeah. Uh, whoa, ooh, solo. Hey, act. See? Yeah. Come on! Yeah. They didn't say anything about self love. No, they didn't. Uh, they're also sometimes a site of sexual activity, they said. These tombstones are. Uh, police were offering their opinion on ways to design out crime at the planning stage of the redevelopment. This included protection of the raised tombstones, which the force said were sometimes a site of sexual activity. It is said. It is also common to find raised tombstones being used as tables for alcohol and drugs. Who's setting these tables for alcohol and drugs? Is there like well, a nice you know. tablecloth or do you put a mirrored surface on it so you can do a couple of lines? What do you yeah, do? Yeah, that's exactly what you do. Mm. In a religion, they should just put a sign up that says no porking. <laughs> no porking. Where does the porking thing come in? That's so rough and... I learned it from Porky's. Hmm. Yeah, they can have no no shoes, no shirt, no service, no drugs, no porking. No porking. Huh? No porking on the dead people. Come on! <laughs> porking. I can't yeah. see. When you're trying to get in the mood. It's like, hey, baby, you want to do something? Porking? I can't. It doesn't fit. Well, she likes ham. Hey, baby, you want a ham? Hey, baby, I, I glaze this ham. <laughs> I want to glaze bacon. I want to glaze your ham, baby. I got yeah. some maple sugar bacon going. <laughs> oh God! You want to? Uh, you want to venture over to this dead guy? Uh, Pork all night. I brought a little blue pill. Ooh. And chop it off. Blue chew. Snort it up. <laughs> you want to snort this blue chew with me, baby? <laughs> oh, yeah. Pork till the cows come home. Oh, God. No. <laughs> you want to choke this chicken while I pork you? <laughs> Let's get this beef, baby. Let's get all the food groups. You know what happens? She's, well, honey, the science says no porking. Oh, shit. Nah, You're right. Damn it. Nah. Um... Yeah, they, they, they're saying in a religious setting, this antisocial behavior is particularly disrespectful. It is more than likely that this will occur in the area at the back of the church. Of course, you'd like it in the back, baby. Oh, yeah. Um, Let me uh, get you in the back, in the back of that church. Oh, yeah. Put it up on the table. Let daddy work it. We'll, we'll do it on the bottom side of the coffin. Let me work it like a rib. 
Um, anyways, so uh, they do it in the back of the church where the protective railings are removed because <laughs> nobody wants protection, baby. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. raw dog does. Look at that. I <laughs> bet there's no railings. Oh, yeah. Let daddy feel all of it without the protective railings. You know what I'm saying? We don't have to hang on to anything. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a roller coaster without the railings. What? Okay, they can solve this by putting protective railings back up. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's rec- problem solved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, re- it recommended measures to deter activity at the top of the tombstones, including creating enclosures for individual tombstones or small railings at the top edge of the tombstones. Hold on, baby. I'm going to get you at the top of the railing. <laughs> that just means you can stand on top of the tombstones and do little dances. Yeah. Here, yeah. baby. Why don't you put your foot in my hands and I'll boost you up over that railing. Hold on, baby. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Oh, yeah. Look, let me get some leverage. I'll put my feet on this railing. Yeah. Going to Park City. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Going to Pork City. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. <laughs> Other recommendations include removable seating. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. CCTV and better lighting to prevent antisocial and criminal behavior. A spokesperson for the force. Well, no, no, no. That's just going to create porn. <laughs> yeah, CCTV I know. CCTV right? and better lighting. That's porn. <laughs> <laughs> hey, baby, you want to be on camera with me? <laughs> Grab that railing. <laughs> Look, I removed the seat they put out here for us. <laughs> I'm going to dance all night. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Daddy's bringing home the bacon. Let's go. <laughs> Pork City. <laughs> God. Wasn't Pork City one of the jerseys for the WNBA this year? It's over there by uh, Parts Unknown. Yeah. The role of our design out crime officers, they went on to say, oh, I'm sorry, spokesperson for the force said Suffolk Constabulary uh, works to make our streets safer, reduce crime, and promote safety for our. Got him. Uh, for our local uh, residents, customers, and businesses, the role of our design out crime officers is to offer crime prevention advice that can be taken into consideration within areas for redevelopment. I got a, I got nothing but advice for how to get it on better on those tombstones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, baby. They should just charge by the hour. Yeah. Five pounds for one hour. You want two tombstones? Ten pounds. Three tombstones will save you. Twelve pounds. Tell you what, baby. Daddy says, hold on to that railing. I brought a little booger sugar. I'm going to put a little bit on that ass. And we're going to ride all night. Mm. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. Yeah, people may have done blow off a stripper's ass, but has anyone ever done blow off a stripper's ass while she's grinding on a tombstone? Didn't think so. No, that's a new level of freak no one's ever heard of. Exactly, except for the people in Ipswich. Yeah, they they, they, they do it all the time. So, Salute to Ipswich! Just saying. <laughs> Boing! Boing! 
So that's it. That's Fast and Furious Boner Edition of, uh, we should have said not safe for work. <laughs> that last yeah, story. we should have. Yeah, oh well, we're too late. So, yeah, that's it. Someone quickly grabbed their adjustable volume and really turned it down. Someone <laughs> threw their kid out the window. <laughs> threw their uh, kid out the window. <laughs> we'll see you later, Johnny. Woo! You um, can't hear this. No yeah. port city for you. No, <laughs> no port city for you. <laughs> Hey, Timmy, how was your day today? Well, Mommy said something about Pork City. She was listening to Bruiser and Cruiser and something about Pork City. And, and I think it's dinner tonight. Oh, we're having pork chops? Uh, yes, dear. We're having pork yeah, chops. We're having pork chops. Isn't Pork City, Austin, Minnesota, where they make spam? Sure. I don't know. <laughs> so that'll do it. Uh, I mean, is there a lot of boning in Pork City? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to... Uh... Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. No, wait, not that. It's the... Oh, yeah. How would you like to do it at the Spam Museum in Austin, Minnesota, baby? (laughs) Put your hands up on that Spam. Don't delete this email because this isn't the Spam you're thinking it is. And let me ram jam on that Spam. You know what I'm saying, girl? See, baby, you are... You're too expensive for Pork City. Yes, so I'm man. taking you to Spamalot. Oh, yeah. Spamalot! <laughs> Sometimes it ain't caviar and lobster and moet. Sometimes it's Thunderbird baby. and Spam, baby. <laughs> We're in this heat wave right now. Yeah. You want to uh, fry up this Spam? Fresh out of the can. Sometimes you just want some of the salty spam in your mouth, girl. Hey, baby, let me put my sausage in your pork butt. Let's ah! go. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so that'll do it for the show today. We just ruined grocery shopping for most people. Yeah, pretty much. You know, that's a delicacy in Hawaii. Grocery shopping? No, spam. Oh, oh yeah, I know that. Trust me, I know that. Jeff Cobb told me that. Yeah. I didn't know there was that many recipes for Spam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got a really good Spam. I don't like pineapple on ham, but pineapple yeah. a pineapple Spam sandwich fried. Oh, so good. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. Now. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. We're late. We're late for a very important date. But, um, Bruiser, what's coming up yeah. this weekend? August 27th, Salisbury, North Carolina. I am producing a show for AML Wrestling. We have Kane coming in, the Godfather, Angelina Jolie, or not Angelina Jolie, Angelina Love. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love it if you had her this weekend. I'd, yeah. I'd fly down. Yeah. Brock Anderson, Arn Anderson. It's going to be a hell of a show. I'm producing the whole thing. Titlematchnetwork.com if you want to watch it. It's real inexpensive. Plus, there's vignettes that will be airing that I am 100% responsible for. I'm going to be producing them and getting them out there for everyone to see check it out i'll be checking it out on title match network as i am a subscriber so i'll be checking out the show for aml wrestling if you want to be a subscriber as well and you don't know how to do so just go to darknessradioshow.com in the event section we have a link to it uh sign up and check it out check out the work that bruiser's doing they're doing some good stuff down there at aml wrestling yep uh this weekend if you are in the michigan area come to michigan paracons come say hi to me i have a table um, and if you come say hi and you've heard the show and you want to say hi to Bruiser as well, we'll call him randomly. He, <laughs> he may be on the toilet. He may be walking uh, Ziggy Starpup. 
uh, you may, I don't know, maybe he's uh, he's doing one of these with uh, Mrs. Bruiser. We'll interrupt him right in the middle. And we'll just, he'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm taking Mrs. Bruiser to Pork City. And we'll be like, <laughs> hey, guys, look, it's a listener. And, uh, you know, that's uh, that's what will go on there. Yeah, I'll be happy to say. I'm looking forward to saying hi to some of the listeners. There you go. So we'll interrupt his life for just a short amount of time. <laughs> and it'll be your birthday. It will be on Saturday. Yeah. They can bring you spam. They can bring me spam. No, no, I don't want spam. <laughs> no. <laughs> so that'll do it for today's program. Thank you so much, guys, for continuing to listen to what it is we do. I don't know what the hell we did today, but um, <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, Fast and Furious Boner Edition, we just had some fun today. So we'll call it the birthday edition, too. Uh, and then uh, tomorrow on the show, it is uh, John Russell. We have John nice. Russell, uh, 20 Ways to Increase Your Psychic Abilities. So that is on tomorrow's show. Looking forward to it. And uh, thank you so much, folks, for listening to today's program. For Beer City Brews, I'm Tim Dennis. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you guys. And uh, we look forward to having you with us again tomorrow on the best in paranormal programming. This has been Darkness Radio.